Fools of the world. But right now I'm joined by Dr. Phil Ferguson and John Moore. Uh, Morena to you both. Morena, Morena Jamie. Uh, um, John, you're, where are you again? I forget. I'm in Wellington. Are you, of course you are. Yes. Uh, yeah, in the, in the hot seat. The place to be while uh, Parliament's on holiday. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the heart of the beast. Yeah, that's right. In the belly. In the belly. Um, yes. Belly of the beast. Yeah. How was uh, starting with you? How was your um, Christmas break? Uh, yeah, I had a um, quiet Christmas break. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, good New Year. Went out with uh, Bryce Edwards. Yes. On the show. Saw the photos. The town in Wellington. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, Phil? How was your little break? Yeah, mine was good. I've been adopted by a local cat. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, who seems to have made itself mine, and I think it's brought its mother along as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro, well, that's the best present you can get, actually. Um, all right, let's kick off. Um, of course, it's a be- it's the break in New Zealand, so there hasn't been too much going on, but of course there's the sad passing of uh, Jim Anderton, former uh, Deputy Prime Minister, the um, leader of three different parties, um, over his time in Parliament and a member of four different parties uh, held the seat of Sydenham and Wigram or Sydenham became the Wigram seat for nine elections um, on the trot um, for Labour um, the New Labour Alliance and the Progressive Party I think he was he was EMP for Progressive yeah. England, didn't he? he did yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know he was out he formed New, new Labour after uh, disobeying party orders when he voted against selling BNZ um, mm. Back in the um, late 80s, uh, he got suspended from the Labour Party, uh, and so he decided to leave. Saying, um, "Well, he didn't. He didn't leave. He said, uh, I did not leave Labour. Labour left me.' <laughs> I quite like that line. Um, so he wasn't exactly a fan of uh, the fourth Labour government's neoliberal policies, perhaps by the, by the sounds of that, um, John. Yeah. So um, Jim Anderson, I think, is one of New Zealand's most important political figures and definitely was for the last few decades the most important political figure of the left. He really he really saved the left in New Zealand. So um, if we go back to the 1980s where we had a, a three-term Labour government, it was unusual that Labour government and it, it actually enacted a whole lot of very right-wing free market reforms, which very much went against its policy platform and, and against um, its own base, its own base of, of working people, of trade unionists, etc. And Jim Anderson was one of the few MPs in that Labour Party caucus to consistently stand up against that Labour government against his own party and to say that that party had betrayed its, its own base. As you said, Jamie, eventually he was um, expelled from the caucus and then resigned from the party and, and formed a new Labour Party, which then became the Alliance. Um, and, and really, for a, a lot of younger people at that time, including myself, uh, actually, um, he re-energised the left, sh- showed there was an alternative to that sort of new right uh, free market platform of the Labour government and then the subsequent um, Jim Bolger-led national government and brought a whole lot new layer of leftists into a party, the New Labour Party, then the Alliance, that, that worked alongside a large number of um, leftists and social democrats, socialists, who split from the Labour Party. So um, myself, I was a candidate for the New Labour Party in mm. Chicago in 1990. I worked alongside uh, um, Chris Trotter um, in his campaign in Dunedin North. 
Um, and yeah, there was a whole sort of, uh, I guess, Jim Anderson represents uh, a legacy of, of yeah, challenging that sort of um, establishment, uh, new right orthodoxy that took hold in New Zealand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you're often critical of the left in this country, uh, Phil. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jim? Uh, well, I I kind of comp- compartmentalise my thoughts about him. Um, my parents were very close friends of his, mm-hmm. um, and my dad was his election campaign manager going back to Labour Party days. Um, and I remember how... Well, I was out of the country, but they told me how relieved they were when John Kirk departed or was given the heave by Labour and mm-hmm. Jim Anderton came in and they thought, finally, we've got, you know, we've got a Labour MP we can be proud of and who has some, you know, our sort of old Labour type principles of one person, one house. Yeah. Whereas John Kirk was buying up houses all over the place, you know, when young couples couldn't get mortgages. Um, so they were, you know, delighted. And when my mother was um, dying of cancer in 2011, like Jim Anderton was very, very good, you know, in relation. He bought food around and, mm-hmm. you know, he gave me his cell number and told me to ring him, his private one, and told me to ring him any time at all. Um, and if we had any trouble with health service bureaucrats, yeah. just let him know and, and he'd be onto them he liked you know ripping bureaucrats yeah, a, yeah. a new one yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. jumped up little bureaucrats who tried to deny people things that they're entitled to and my mother had already kind of regaled me in the past with stories of you know Jim Anderton um, getting on to social welfare and various other government departments on behalf of constituents because she used to volunteer in his office in um, Sprayden um, so I have that sort of you know thing that Jim Anderton, who I think was, a, you know, a kind and generous, you know, indiv- individual. Mm-hmm. And I also think he had certain principles that he stuck by. I mean, my mother told me that when they left the Labour Party, there were supposed to be 14 MPs going. Mm-hmm. And, and Jim said to her, you know, I got up and ran forward, got up out of the trench and ran forward into the gunfire and looked around and I realised I was the only one. The other 13 all decided that their careers... You know, mm. that principles came, uh, and, and the rights of workers came a very poor second to their, you know, career prospects in, in the Labour government and in a future Labour government, including Helen Clark, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the reasons I have no time for that, for, for her. Um, but there was also another Jim Anderton, which was the political leader, who was incredibly autocratic. You know, it was Jim's way or the highway. Yeah. Um, and my parents were old Labour, so they just were always, Jim was just always wonderful, you know. But if you were somebody who wasn't old Labour and wanted the NLP to have um, a sharper sort of class position and wanted the alliance not to move towards the centre, then, you know, Jim wasn't Mr Nice <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You, you were going to be shown the door pretty quickly. You were going to be stomped on. And I think it, it's a kind of, you know, human beings aren't simple, are they? They're quite no. complex and contradictory. So on the one hand, you've got the Jim Anderton, without whom we probably wouldn't have paid parental leave. You know, it was going to be introduced over my dead body, according to Helen Clark. So we've got Anderton to thank for that. 
um, you know, important force in the fight for MMP, which is more democratic than first past the post. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, Anderson was prepared to go along with the invasion of Afghanistan. And to me, this is part of the weakness of social democracy in New Zealand, where it's all about the welfare state in New Zealand. And if that means to get to to make that stronger, you have to invade other countries and wreak absolute havoc there. That's the price that they're prepared to pay, you know. And it was a price my parents were prepared to pay, but it wasn't the price that I was prepared to pay, you uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. I think humanity's won, and if we can't support people in the third world, then you know, don't call yourself a socialist in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 so socialist here, but overseas, a uh, you know, very an much. imperialist. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. But I think yeah. I, I think he's probably the last social democrat in terms of politicians of significance. I mean, obviously, there's still social democrats around, mm-hmm. but in terms of like of significance, I think he might be the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, now he, as you said earlier, he helped. He formed or helped form three parties. Um, you had um, New Labour um, Alliance, um, which was made up of um, you know members of the, the now Green Party, well, they were the Green Party then as well. I think you had um, Democrats for Social um, Social Credit Social yeah. Credit Party, who were huge in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got. But it had first uh, had MMP been in then, yeah. they would have made um, quite a large chunk. I think of eighty four, um, and the progressive party which um formed after the demise of of, of alliance um so what are these um john what are these uh what role did these parties play in new zealand politics was it a big role or because uh, i oh, mean the, the alliance a significant, a significant role i think with the formation of the new labor party which was the split off the left wing split off from the labor party in 89 as i said before that, that re-energized the left in New Zealand and showed that there could be a, uh, a significant political block to the left of the Labour Party. And it also, um, ideologically speaking, it challenged that new right free market ideology and again presented an alternative, a more Keynesian uh, state interventionist alternative. With the Alliance, uh, which was um, a formation which included at its heart the new Labour Party, but also, as you said before, JV, the Greens, the Liberals, which was a split off from the National Party, the Democrats, which were the old social democrat, uh, social creditors, uh, as well as mana mana haki. Um, The Alliance at at one stage was seriously challenging the Labour Party as the second most popular party in New Zealand. Um, Subsequent to that, the the Alliance uh, went into coalition with um, Helen Clark's um, Labour Party uh, and and presented uh, uh, government somewhat to the left of uh, any previous government for the last um, decade or two. Um, so again, uh, the alliance played that role of pulling uh, New Zealand politics, making politics uh, to some degree, less or greater degree, economically and socially to the to the left. Um, the progressives, uh, um, Jim Anderson's progressive party, came out of a split in the alliance and as Phil was talking about uh, the issue of whether New Zealand troops should be sent over to Afghanistan split the alliance down the middle Uh, Jim Anderton um, uh, uh, rallied behind the position that uh, the alliance in parliament should support New Zealand troops going to Afghanistan Um, after that uh, Jim Anderton effectively uh, led a split from the alliance um, um, 
a number of MPs went with Jim Anderson, some MPs, including uh, Lila Hari, uh, uh, went against Jim Anderson. Um, and uh, that progressive, uh, Jim Anderson's progressive party, um, for the for the next uh, couple of terms, supported um, uh, Helen Clark's Labour Party. But by that time, I, I guess the uh, the momentum that had been building up with first the Labour Party and the in uh, the alliance sort of collapsed. Uh, and although Jim Anderson held a very important position as deputy prime minister, I think he was um, number three. Uh, within the uh, within the cabinet, um, really uh, the wind had gone out of his sails, and uh, his role as a, as a major reformer and champion of the left really ended from that point onwards. Mm-hmm. Interesting that he left the party because he went against the party line, and then uh, well, the, then they got split away from in the alliance because uh, others went against his line. Yeah, yeah and. So you, the opposition was so big he didn't really have an alternative like he did try to rally the party behind him Mm. but the vast bulk of the people who were activists were opposed to the invasion of Afghanistan Mm. and the MPs who had I think all the Alliance MPs originally voted for it most of them changed their minds when the rank and file revolted so Anderton lost control of the of the MPs. I think there was also a feeling in the alliance that its identity was being lost. I think Labour were really smart because for a while, I mean the alliance was a bigger party than Labour. They had a lot more members and um, activists. Yeah. You know, and they, like John said, they were running neck and neck in the polls with Labour for quite a while. And Labour tried to destroy them by being really hostile and trying to get Alliance people sacked from their jobs and, and stuff like that. That doesn't sound like Labour at all. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're trying to destroy the Greens now because they don't like anybody to their left. But the um, the problem, yeah, arose for a lot of people in the Alliance where Anderton was moderating the politics in order to get into government. He was sick of being in the wilderness. He mm. wanted to be one of the movers and shakers. He wanted to be to stay Minister of Economic Development, which was a very important um, position. And so a lot of people got disillusioned. And John was talking about, you know, like loads of people joined the NLP at the start, like himself, as a you know young student, full of um, you know, hopes for the future and that this was going to be a new political movement. And unfortunately, as Anderton took things, moved it back to the centre, because it was the NLP was a pretty left-wing organisation, I mean, much more left-wing than the Labour, than the Labour Party, um, most of those people just dropped out of politics. It was a very disillusioning experience for a mm-hmm. lot of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Phil, just quickly, um, being a Christchurch lad... Um, what did he do in his nine terms uh, for for the city? Well, he was a very popular MP. Um, what he mainly did was for... Um, he was a very good constituency MP, you know. Like, if you went to Jim Anderton with a problem, he wouldn't, you know, brush you off. Mm-hmm. He spent a lot of time in the constituency. If you went and you were having problems with winds or with the health, whatever, you know, he would get onto them. And, and, you know, really give them a flea in the ear. He was very personally kind, you know, like his wife used to tell my mother how whenever she went back, went out of the house and she came back, she was always worried that something would be missing because Jim would have given 
<laughs> bla- blankets or sheets or clothes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, or cutlery and and stuff away, unless you know she had it nailed down. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he, I mean, he was very genuine in that way, and his background was kind of Catholic social justice. His original background, I don't know whether he stayed religious, um, you know, and he was in the he saw himself in the tradition of you know Michael Joseph Savage and and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, so I think in terms of like mainstream politics, he was probably you know, like one of the best constituency MPs. And I think people went to him from all over Christchurch with their problems because other MPs weren't really interested, especially if you were poor, they weren't really interested in you, whereas Jim was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, and um, how, how about from you, John, um, what are some of the, what, what's the biggest legacy he leaves uh, New Zealand politics and New Zealand as a whole? I think definitely uh, the fact that he challenged those new right reforms in the in the 1980s, coming from ironically from from the Labour Party, um, whereas um, you you had a, a large number of, of MPs, um, Labour MPs in the 1980s, who were significantly to the left of of, of Jim Anderton, but due to their pragmatism uh, and arguably their opportunism, they just in the end refused to stand up. Uh, to, to those right-wing reforms, which were significantly hurting uh, uh, large layers of, of, oh. of working people in New Zealand. So for me, that's his legacy, that he, he stood up when no other MPs would. And, and this, this personally cost him. He lost friendship. Mm. He, he was despised uh, yeah. within uh, parliamentary circles. So I remember when I was in the New Labour Party at the time and talking to people like uh, Chris Trotter and other leading lights in the New Labour Party, they just said that um, there, there was intense hatred from Labour MPs and uh, the Labour caucus directed at Jim Anderson once he left that party and formed a new Labour party. And he, he stood up, uh, he, he resisted all those attacks, including personal attacks, and um, he rebuilt the left in mm-hmm. New Zealand. Mm. Even even the Prime Minister didn't stand up against the reforms and he was against <laughs> quite a lot of them. I think yeah. even he was scared of uh, Roger. I think a lot of people were scared of Roger. Um, right, let's move on to um, the big story out of the States. I mean, there's so many of them, but uh, Fire and Fury, uh, this one's been entertaining to watch, uh, especially uh, responses from from the man himself, Donald Trump. But uh, inside the Trump White House, um, what is the book about, John? Okay, so um, uh, journalist and writer, American writer Michael Wolf has written about Fire and Fury inside the Trump White House. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a detailed uh, book on uh, on scandals within the White House, on the Prince, uh, on the D- Donald Trump presidency, on uh, leading figures around um, Donald Trump, um, and uh, it, it's very much. Uh, it's become the leading news item, certainly uh, in America and in Britain, um, because of certain revelations that come out of the book. Um, uh, these include sort of uh, quite um, uh, uh, harsh criticisms of Donald Trump. Uh, it is uh, perhaps not surprising as someone who doesn't have a firm grasp of policy, uh, apparently doesn't even have a firm grasp firm grasp of uh, one of the context of the Constitution of the uh, of America. Um, now, the, the criticisms of the book, however, is that it's a very tabloid-style book. Mm. There's a lot, lot of speculation 
from Michael Wolf himself. And there's questions over um, the validity of the statements that he makes in the book and the statements that he uh, uh, attributes to, to leading figures, such as um, 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 Steve Bannon. Um, who was White House Chief Strategist. And it's probably the comments from Steve Bannon um, in the book that have been the most controversial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now he's lost his job at Breitbart too over uh, this book as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, which is interesting. But um, yeah, like you said, it's tabloid style and how uh, speculation, so how much of it can you really take at truth? But of course, it's, it's Donald Trump, so um, the assumptions made are very, very believable. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a funny criticism, isn't it? Because this is a tabloid presidency. I mean, mm. Donald Trump, <laughs> you couldn't get more tabloid than Donald Trump. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> the level of hypocrisy like how dare anybody tabloid back mm, mm, <laughs> at, that's right at him you know and that's his response that he's a stable genius <laughs> like he has it's kind of wonderful how he has absolutely no self-awareness and, mm. and he has no grasp of how he comes across yeah well one thing f- for my mind um because you know they say he's mentally unf- uh, unfit and <laughs> mentally unstable um you know he's controlling the world but the other thing is like i mean if you knew someone like this personally you'd be wanting to get help for them yeah you know, if he's really got yeah. a mental illness and there's yeah. something actually wrong yeah. with him yeah. it's not really a, you know it's 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 i mean it's not really a, f- a, f- a funny thing that, that so much it's um you know maybe um you need to get some help but this man is ruling the world and there's nothing anyone can really do yeah <laughs> I mean, on one, on the one hand, it so it shows a certain kind of weird equal opportunity in the states that you can be clinically insane and still become president, provided you've got enough money. Yeah, you yeah. know, like anybody can be president, providing they're super rich or their friends are super rich. Um, but it's just an unfolding, oh God, you know, melodrama, um, tragic comedy. Mm. It's just unfortunate that he does get to make decisions that negatively affect people, you know? Like, otherwise, it would be like a really funny movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the way that they've been able to spin some of the stuff that the policies they have gotten through is absolutely unbelievable, and his base will believe anything he says. Yeah. Um, but go, John. Yeah, I think one of the fascinating things that came out of the book, um, and whether to believe it or not is hard to say, but um, according to the book, no one in the presidential campaign team, including Donald Trump himself, believed that he was going to be elected mm. as president. And uh, according to the book, there, there, there was widespread shock uh, within his circle <laughs> uh, when, he, when he was elected president, uh, including from uh, Donald Trump himself. And apparently um, uh, Donald Trump uh, wife, uh, Melania Trump, was in tears uh, when he became president. <laughs> and these apparently were not tears of, of joy. Um, so uh, I think that, uh, that's, that's an area that I'd, I'd like to see journalists and commentators and mm. political scientists look into a lot more. Uh, was, the Trump, was Trump and his campaign, were they expecting to win or not? Um, and this brings up a whole lot of questions in relation, r- relation to the, all those scandals around the input of the Russians. Uh, the, the, the Democrat narrative at the moment and the liberal media narrative is that um, Trump and his supporters uh, worked alongside the Russians uh, to undermine uh, Hillary Clinton and to um, push out fake news, for example, in the media to elevate um, Trump's standing. Now, if he, if, 
arguably he had no intention of actually becoming president. This was um, sort of more of a uh, promotional platform for himself. Then those accusations in regards to the Russians become a bit more doubtful um, if, if he never intended to become president mm. uh, himself. So, yeah, I think um, that's one of the yeah the crucial points that come out of the book for me. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I may... Um that may be the case, but he also could have been using the opportunity of uh, running uh, two connections with the Russians or do some dealings uh, or, or help his already um, woeful uh, financial position with certain Russian oligarchs. Yeah, see, I'd see it as more likely that the Russian stuff was true if he wasn't serious, because he wouldn't have to worry about consequences. Mm. You know, mm. like if he, got pre- if he was working with them and became president, there was always the chance that that would be exposed and he'd be in Impeached or forced to resign some other way, whereas if he was in it, like to advance his economic interests and all the rest of it, he wouldn't be so bothered about about um, dirty tricks. But I also think it's important. Like he wasn't actually, he wasn't really elected, was he? I mean, he was appointed by the Electoral College. Mm. Hillary Clinton actually won a couple of million more votes than him, and it's a kind of it's one of those freaky things about the undemocratic nature of the american electoral system that you, that in a in a basically a two person race the person who wins the most votes doesn't necessarily doesn't win. necessarily win and she must have won i mean there was a green party candidate and a few other people but she probably won over 50% of the actual vote mm, mm. and yet she you know she didn't get elected and i'm no I'm no Hillary supporter at all. I can't stand the woman. But she did actually win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she got over 50%, which is the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone out there saying that national one in New Zealand is not true. Uh, <laughs> they didn't get over 50%. Uh, they funny. did get a lot more than Labour. So. Yeah, they, they, they most certainly did. They most certainly did. Uh, anyway, um, well, it's interesting. I guess that's going to be an ongoing story. Um, and there are going to be many more stories coming out over the course of the next two years because it's, uh, we're one year down. Well, one, and, and this is it, isn't it? Like... It just goes on and on and on. Yeah. And I, I think it will continue. Will he run again, you think? Oh, Lord. Him versus Oprah? Yeah, that would be an interesting <laughs> one. Yeah, two, two sort of, yeah. It'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would love it. I would yeah. absolutely love it. But I think we're going to be entertained by this is this is an ongoing yeah. s- soap opera. Yeah. And because nobody controls him he's going to just keep having to fire fire people mm. the turnover at the white house is going to be just massive well you know and there's going to be more yeah be exposures. Higher, higher turnover than the apprentice yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly all right we're gonna to have to leave it there thank you so much uh thank you john we'll be seeing you back live thank in you. studio next week will you be back For sure all right brilliant and thank you so much phil can i just put in one wee quick plug of course i did actually i have actually written an article about Mem- sort of a memoir about Anderton and it's on Redline if people want to go and look at it. Yeah, yeah. do, do. And we never plug Redline actually, so go and check well, it out. Well, yeah, I don't like to kind of, you know, yeah. plug it much, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots yeah. of people like the article, yeah. but I'm, I'm, sure I'm sure there's people that don't like it as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that's, that's politics. That's politics. Thanks. All right, it's almost time for news. Here's random.